following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Merry Christmas, everybody, from Pepsi Mama and... Merry Christmas from Victor. I hope everybody's done something fun today. I hope you've opened a lot of gifts and hope Santa's been really good to you. If he hadn't, the Lord will be. But um, anyway, this is the last presentation of our Christmas shows for this year. So I've got a few picked out that... Uh, I really hope you'll enjoy. I enjoy them, and I uh, think you will too, if you like old-time radio Christmas. Uh, if you like us, uh, hit the like buttons, the subscribe buttons, and all of that happy stuff. You can listen to us live on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. Facebook and YouTube is... Who's Blind Life Is It Anyway? And Twitter, it's at Blind Who's. W-H-O-S-E. If you want to um, write to me with any comments or suggestions, requests, whatever you'd like to hear, um, you can email me at Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday at gmail.com and that's Sunday like an ice cream Sunday. So it's Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday S U N D A E at gmail.com. Lord have mercy, I almost said Comcast. <laughs> um, but if you can't listen to us live for whatever reason um could be you don't you're caught up for time or maybe you just don't like listening to stuff like that live uh you've got all kinds of podcast players that you can get it from um uh, i think you can get it from everybody in the world except audible but we're not good enough for audible so <laughs> uh that's uh but that's it. So, uh, if you want to write to Victor for whatever reason, you can uh, write to him at whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com. Just like everywhere else, you can write to him. <laughs> but the first one that I found, I kind of found by accident for you. Um, well, I said I found it. I had it in my collection, but I didn't realize that I had it in my collection but it's called the show is called Beulah and um, she did uh, it's called Honorary Santa and I thought it was pretty good from Hollywood General Foods brings you the new Beulah show starring Amanda Randolph as Beulah a gal who only wants one gift from Chris Kringle 
And that's a man, so I can quit being single. <laughs> yes, from Hollywood, it's the new Beulah Show, brought to you transcribed by General Foods. Love that man. <laughs> Say, do you know what a caffeine susceptible is? You know, you might be one yourself and not realize it. Truly. Anyway, a caffeine susceptible is a person who shouldn't drink coffee or tea because they contain caffeine. Caffeine is a drug that makes some people nervous, irritable, spoils their rest. Of course, many people can handle it, but if I could get all you folks who drink coffee and shouldn't, you caffeine susceptible, if I could get you to try Postum, you'd thank me. Because delicious instant postum doesn't have any caffeine, none at all. There's no chance of coffee nerves, no chance of sleepless nights due to caffeine. That's a fact. So, how about doing yourself a favor? How about switching to instant postum tomorrow? And see if you don't sleep better, look and feel better, too. Chances are you'll want to keep on with postum for good. Well, Beulah's employer, Harry Henderson, has his heart set on being the honorary Santa Claus for the big Christmas Day party. The honor will go to the man whose child writes the best letter saying why his daddy should be Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And yesterday, little Donnie wrote a wonderful letter about Mr. Harry. Well, that's fine, Beulah. Except for one thing. I put the wrong paper in the envelope. And what he really mailed was his English composition. A description of mean old Scrooge from Dickens' Christmas Carol. <laughs> Mr. Harris very angry about the whole thing, Mr. Jacobs, and it's all my fault. The whole thing is my fault. You know, is breakfast ready? I'm right in, Miss Alice. Excuse me, Mr. Jacobs, i got to serve breakfast. And I hate to go in there. I wouldn't blame Mr. Harris if he wouldn't even talk to me. Morning, Miss Alice. Morning, Beulah. Morning, Miss Harris. Uh-oh. Beulah, I'm afraid Mr. Henderson's pretty upset. I don't blame him, Miss Alice. Alice, would you please tell Beulah I'd like my eggs now? Beulah, Mr. Henderson would like his eggs now. Oh, I like my eggs well done. He likes his eggs well done. In plenty of butter. In plenty of butter. Today is Wednesday, and we got French toast, and it's sizzling hot. Oh. Well, I'll... Take two pieces of toast. Mr. Henderson wants two pieces of toast. Yes. Tell her I'm just about to taste it. He says he's just about to taste it. Oh! Oh! He says, ow, ow. Do it. Do it. Quick, a glass of water. Quick, why, why don't you give me a glass of water? Begging your pardon, sir. But you forgot to go through channels. <laughs> Well, never mind. Nothing anyway. But I would like some strawberry jam for my toast. Alice? Oh, Mr. Henderson would like some strawberry jam for his toast. Miss Alice, you better tell Mr. Harry we're all out of strawberry jam so I can bring him some blueberry jam instead. But if he tells you he don't like blueberry and he'd rather have blackberry, I think there's some of that. But our cherry preserves are fresher than the blackberry jam. And if he'd rather have cherry than blackberry or blueberry, I can get him that. Or the jelly. Tell her to please get the jelly. He says, please get the jelly. Okay. I'm so big up now, I don't know where the kitchen is. Ah. 
do. I'm going to sit right down and send in a big stack of letters, and I'll sign them in different names. <laughs> oh, that's a good dinner, Beulah, that is. Mighty fine. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Well, I'm glad you two are friendly. <laughs> oh, would you? I just flew off the handle, I guess. I, I was just so set on being Santa Claus, I just... Oh, I just got a boomer top. I'm sorry, but I... I guess I just can't hide my feelings. <laughs> then you don't feel so badly anymore about not being honorary Santa Claus, huh? Oh, no, no. Say, the paper says they uh, might make the announcement tonight. Letter-writing contest ended this afternoon. I still hope you win, Mr. Harris. But after that description of Scrooge, Donnie... Last <laughs> <laughs> chance. Excuse me, folks. There's someone at the door. Go ahead, Beulah. Good evening. Is Mr. Henderson home? Yes, sir. Won't you come in? Thank you. Mr. Harris, I want to see you. Oh, thanks a lot, Bueller. How do you do? What can I do for you? Uh, Mr. Henderson, I'm Mr. Burnick, uh, chairman of the Santa Claus letter-writing committee. Oh, oh, yes, of course. Hello, Mr. Burnick. Say, I, I wanted to explain about that letter. You see, I, uh, well, I mean, uh, my boy, Donnie, uh, well, that is... Now, uh, now first it, permit uh, me to congratulate uh, you, Mr. Henderson. Yes. You were the committee's unanimous choice for Santa Claus. I what? Hot dog. <laughs> Maybe I should say hot reindeer. <laughs> Alice, uh, Alice, this, this is Mr. Burnick of the Santa Claus committee. Oh. This is, um, uh, Alice, uh, uh, Mrs. Henderson, this is my wife. How do you do, Mr. Uh, Mr. Burnick. And uh, he told me I, I'm, the, I'm the one that chose I'm Santa Claus. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Uh, you see... We originally had planned to take into consideration only the contents of the letter. Yeah, but then, yeah. well, well, we just couldn't overlook a man who expresses the whole spirit of this great holiday by adopting 11 children. I've got... Adopting 11 children? 11 children? Uh-oh, I must have been writing on carbon paper. <laughs> I don't know when those children are arriving, Mr. Henderson, but we received such sweet letters from all of well, them. Well, Mr. Vernick, now, I, I really... Now, now I... Mr. Henderson, you're doing a wonderful thing. I am? Yes, and those letters were so cute. Why, some of them were written on paper towels. Paper towels? <laughs> oh, see, I'd like to wring that Oreo's neck. What is that, Beulah? I said, we got a mighty big family by heck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, now look, Mr. Burnick, uh, there's something I have to discuss no, with no, you. No, 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 we'll discuss all the arrangements tomorrow, Mr. Henry. Yeah, but... Uh, yes, now, congratulations uh, again. Uh, good night, uh, folks. Uh, good, good night, Mr. Good night. Good night. Alice? Yes? Tell Beulah I would like an explanation. Beulah, Mr. Henderson says he'd like an explanation. I don't blame him, Miss Alice. Uh, so would I. Say, let me ask you a question. Does anyone in your family ever turn thumbs down on breakfast? Not in my family, Mr. Jacobs. No, sir. Ain't nobody turned thumbs down since I started turning bottoms up on a big box of them post-toasties every morning. They're the heap good cornflakes. Man, the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. Fact, when the Indians found out about that real sweet kernel corn flavor and post-toasties, they really had them a ball. Just listen to them dancing around and holding up their bowls for more post-toasties. 
yourself looking around the kitchen for a quick snack just before bedtime, something easy and good that won't keep you awake, well, that's the time to make yourself a postum nightcap. It's quick as a wink, just a heaping teaspoon of instant postum in a cup of hot milk. And of course, your nourishing postum nightcap contains no caffeine at all, nothing that could possibly keep you awake. But you see for yourself. Get a jar of delicious instant postum tomorrow. You've been listening to The Beulah Show, brought to you transcribed from Hollywood by General Foods. The Beulah Show is produced and directed by Stephen Hayden and was written this week by Sherwood Schwartz, Lee Carson, and Seaman Jacobs. Music is by Gordon Kibbe. This is Johnny Jacobs speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. Starring Amanda Randolph as... Beulah, a gal who hopes Santa Claus will pull a husband out of the sack for me. Because if he don't, I'll be the one who's left holding the bag. <laughs> yes, sir, it's the new Beulah show brought to you transcribed from Hollywood. Love that man. Keep your eye on the clock and your dial on CBS Radio, and soon as the minutes tick by, St. Nick and CBS Radio will be ready to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And to make your Christmas even merrier, CBS Radio has some bright and shiny comedy hits all wrapped up for happy weekend listening. You'll meet the amusing characters who entertain you all year long with some bright holiday programs. You'll meet Millie over most of these same stations later tonight. She's a white-dollar girl whose Christmas stocking is packed with a package of laughter. You'll also meet Junior Miss, who's dreaming up some hilarious holiday hijinks. Some of the Sunday night friends who are decorating the CBS radio airways with merriment are our Miss Brooks, America's favorite school teacher, and Santa Claus's favorite economist, Jack Denny. Then caught between funny trouble and mistletoe is my little Margie, Amos and Andy, and Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, of course. You'll meet them all, you'll laugh at them all, and you'll enjoy spending the holiday season at the Star's Address, CBS Radio. Well, yesterday, Harry Henderson was selected as honorary Santa Claus for the big Christmas party tomorrow, but there was a big mix-up involved, and Harry was sure they'd select someone else instead. Oh, it's all right now, Mr. Jacobs. I explained the whole story to Mr. Harry, and he explained it to the committee. Now, Mr. Harry's going to be Santa Claus after all. Well, that's just wonderful. Beulah, it's amazing how you straighten things out. 
Here that is, Miss Alice. Excuse me, Mr. Jacobs. We've got to serve breakfast now. Morning, Beulah. Morning, Miss Alice. Morning, Mr. Santa Claus. Beulah, <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus wants some breakfast. After all, I've been riding the sled through the snow all night. Up, Dancer! Up, Dancer! <laughs> oh, my goodness. I may, must say, everyone's in good spirits this morning, huh? Good spirits? Well, why not? Golly, I never thought I'd be chosen honorary Santa Claus. And, of course, if it hadn't been for our Beulah, I wouldn't have been either. She's the girl who made the whole thing possible. Oh, Mr. Harris. No, that's the truth. It is? Mm-hmm. Well, bless my little old heart. <laughs> well, Mr. Henderson's right, Beulah. Yeah, and just to show my appreciation, Beulah, you name what you want most for Christmas, and we'll have it under the tree for you on Christmas morning. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Mr. Henderson means it. Excuse me, folks, but I was just wondering how you'd be able to gift wrap my boyfriend Bill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll pick out something myself, then. Yeah, but right now I've got to be shoving off. Santa Claus has to rent a costume to see about getting a sled. Oh, dear, you'll probably have to chase all over town. Huh? Then I can save you a lot of time and trouble, Mr. Harris. Well, how's that, Beulah? Well, I could store up a Santa Claus outfit in no time at all. And Bill could get a sled and fix it up real nice with Christmas decorations. Well, that's wonderful, Beulah. Gee, that would save a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, then let's get started, Mr. Harris. Fine. I think there's a tape measure on the back of the doorknob. Yep, here it is. Good. You call out the measurements, Miss Alice, and I'll mark them down. Okay. Okay, Alice. Your model husband is ready to model. Yes, all right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Beulah, um, chest 41. Chest 41. Hip. 41. Hip. 41. Waist. 42. <laughs> Waist. 42. My goodness, Mr. Harry, you got an hourglass figure. <laughs> Only trouble is, most of the sand seems to be stuck in the middle. <laughs> well, I, uh, I wasn't standing quite straight. All right, there. Go on, dear. All right, now let's really measure the waist this time, huh? <laughs> oh, now stand still, honey. Oh, Stop, Harry. I've got to find out what... Look at me, honey. Mm. All that solid. 
Solid slab. <laughs> you know, that gives me an idea, Bill. Now, if this suit will fit you, it'll be perfect for Mr. Hare and a lot of stuffing. How about flipping it on, huh? Okay, honey. I'll just pull it on pull my suit here. Yeah, but be careful now. It's only basted together. Okay, okay. I got it on a pattern yet. Oh, easy with those pants now. Say, what's all these pieces of newspaper pinned on it for? Well, that's a pattern, Bill. I yeah. cut it out of the newspaper. How does it feel? Well, it feels okay around the news reports, but... <laughs> but it's kind of loose back here in the classified section. Well, let's just slip the coat on now, huh? Okay. There. <laughs> Life show is funny. I just dropped in to tell you about the sled I found from Mr. Henderson. And I'm all dressed up like Santa Claus. <laughs> Oh, there's that Oreo from next door. You better take off that Santa Claus outfit, Bill. Say, let's play a trick on that busy woman. What do you mean? I bet that Oreo still believes in Santa Claus. Yes. I'll keep this suit on and see what she says. <laughs> okay, Bill. Here, put these whiskers on, too. Okay. This ought to be fun, huh? <laughs> Get behind the door there, Bill. Okay. I'm all set now. Come on in, Oreo. Oh, hello, Oreo. Oh, Oreo. Suppose I told you that Santa Claus is right here in this room. What would you say? Oh, I'd try to say. <laughs> well, that's a right nice, intelligent remark. <laughs> anyway, Oriel, just look at the back of you. There's Santa Claus. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas, little girl. Merry Christmas. Well, why do you know? Of course I'm really Santa Claus. Oh, ho, ho. Have you been a good little girl this year? Uh-huh. And have you been kneeling by your bed and saying your prayers? No, I've been saying my prayers under my bed. <laughs> oh, that's a silly way to pray. Not if what you're praying for is to find a man under there. <laughs> Boy, why don't you ask him to put something in your stocking? Well, not. He put something in my stocking last year and hurt my toes when I walked around. Santa Claus can't even come down my chimney. Why, sure I can, little girl. I bet you can't. I'll bet I can. All right, I'll bet you a nickel. Okay, it's a bet. Now, what makes you think I can't come down your chimney? <laughs> I haven't got any chimney. <laughs> come on, now, give me the nickel. Okay, here you are, little girl. And goodbye now, Beulah. And thanks again for the nickel, Bill. Bill? Why, she knew me all the time. And she made five cents on the deal. <laughs> Beulah? Yes, Miss Allen. What's Miss Anderson? Well, as soon as he got home, he rushed right upstairs to try on his Santa Claus suit. I think I hear him coming down now. Alice? Beulah, take a look. How do you like me as good old Saint Nick? Let's see that. How do you like me? Oh, honey, you look so funny. <laughs> well, what in the world's wrong? I put in a lot of stuffing. <laughs> oh, Mr. Harris, hmm? all that stuffing belongs in front. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Get it around. There. <laughs> uh, say, now, how would you like to hear Santa Claus speak? Oh, hmm? well. Right. You see, I have a few words to say to the crowd after the mayor welcomes yeah, me. Yeah, but go on, let's hear it. Yeah. 
Better see if Polly talks through this big beard. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and all you kiddies, this is the happiest day of the year. Annual Santa Claus is filled with joy, good cheer, and, uh, and, uh, uh... What else? What else am I filled with? Two pillows, three sweaters, and an orange <laughs> bag. <laughs> All right, go on with your speech, Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, indeed, this is a wonderful night. And I wish to thank you all. Uh, I want to wish to... I want to... The food hides, Santa. Thanks. Honey, are you catching a cold? Oh, I don't think so. Where was it? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't stay here long because Santa has lots of work tonight. I have to go.
CBS Radio is just the place to meet Mr. McNutley, and when you meet Mr. McNutley, you're saying hello to Ray Milland, who assumes the role of this absent-minded but charming professor, who's the talk of the campus and the delight of America. If you want to know what he's up to next, well, just stick around on CBS Radio, and you'll meet Mr. McNutley later tonight over most of these same stations. You've been listening to The Beulah Show, brought to you transcribed from Hollywood. This is the CBS Radio Network. This next one we have is Bing Crosby, and I just love Bing Crosby. Um, not like I do Jack Benny, but I love to hear him <laughs> sing about anything you want. He wants to sing. Uh, but this is his holiday and Christmas special, and uh, I hope y'all enjoy it. It uh, brought back memories for me. Good ones. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. It's Bing Crosby and the Kraft Music Hall with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Eugenie Bear, the Charioteers, Charles Henderson and the Kraft Choir, and the weird and whimsical baritone to end all baritones, Jerry Colonna. What's news, Bing? Well, Kensington, when Cole Porter, who's famous for devising sophisticated ditties, finds himself at home on the range, that's news. I'm doing his brand new cowboy ballad, Don't Fence Me In. Lots of land under starry skies above Don't fence me in Let me ride through the wide open country that I love Don't fence me in Let me be by myself in the evening breeze And listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees Send me off forever But I ask you don't fence me in Just turn me loose Let me straddle my old saddle Underneath the western sky Riding high On my cayuse Let me wander over yonder Till I see the mountains rise In the sky I want to ride to the ridge Where the west commences And gaze at the moon Till I lose my senses Cause I can't look at hobbles And I can't stand fences Don't fence me in Oh, give me land Lots of land Under starry skies above Don't Don't fence me in Let me ride Through the wide open country That I love Don't fence me in Let me be by myself in the evening breeze And listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees Send me off forever, but I ask you, please Don't fence me in, just turn me loose Let 
bestraddle my old saddle underneath the western sky. On my kite, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the ridge where the west commences. Gaze up at the moon until I lose my senses. Cause I can't look at hobbles and I can't stand fences. Don't fence me in. Don't fence me in, no, no. Papa, don't you fence me in. So leaving the home on the range, leave us list to a lad with a word for those who rule the range in the home. It's a pretty sure prediction that in the next ten days you'll be having folks drop in for snacks, on invitation or on the spur of the moment. In either case, refreshments will be ready in a jiffy if you have on hand some of the seven delicious Kraft cheese spreads. Just put them out in their own neat glasses with some crackers or potato chips. Everybody spreads his own snacks, picks the craft kinds that strike his fancy most. That's easy for the hostess and easy on the point budget, too. Consider a craft assortment of pimento or olive pimento spreads, zestful roca and craft relish spread. Each one of these tempting, creamy-tasting spreads takes just two ration points. You better stock up tomorrow so you'll be all set for snack parties. Look for the quality cheese spreads marked Kraft. Here's the charioteers, friends, in a very practical vein tonight. Very clever arrangement of straighten up and fly right. A buzzard took a monkey for a ride in the air. Now, the monkey thought that everything was quite on the square. Who's the square? You. The buzzard tried to throw the monkey off his back. Bop. But the monkey grabbed his neck and said, Now look here, Jack. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Ain't no use of jiving. What's the use of jiving? Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Well, the buzzer told the monkey, you're choking me. Really sure, hold and I'll set you free. The monkey looked the buzzer right dead in the eyes. And your story's so touchy. It sounds like a lie. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Look out, Jack. You're snapping your cap. Ain't no use of diving. What's the use of diving? Straighten up and fly right. Top. Well, the buzzer told the monkey you're choking me. Release your hold and I'll set you free. The monkey looked the buzzer right dead in the eye. I said, your story so touching. It's still a lie. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't you blow your top. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and stay right. Straighten up and fly right. Very good, Ben, very good. You know, Jerome Kern has written some of our finest melodies. 
songs that are musically eminent and international in their appeal. His latest job for the Deanna Durbin picture marks his silver anniversary, the 25th score that he's written. Yip Harburg wrote the words for this particular song from the score, and if I can handle it right, I'm sure you'll agree that it's one of Mr. Kern's best songs. season, the name of Eugenie Baird, has just been here a short time, so California's kind of new to her, too. You like it out here, Eugenie? Well, being, I don't think I've ever lived any place where there were so many happy men. Many happy men? What makes you think that? Well, everywhere I go, they're always whistling. Mm-hmm. Well, you're all right till they begin barking, then you better <laughs> break into a run. Didn't the, didn't the boys that you knew back east break out a whistle when they flushed a ch- sharp chick? Hmm? Why, no, Bing. My boyfriend in New York never wasted time whistling. That's so. Uh, <laughs> seems a very practical fellow. What say you carry on with the chanson here? 
Eugenie's going to give us a tune popular in La Belle France. It's known to us over here as My Heart Sings. Sudden my heart sings When I remember little things The way you dance and hold me tight The way you kiss and say goodnight The crazy things now a stellar personality in the vocal world, that brilliantly balmy barrel-chested baritone with the barrel tones, that singing Joe Stalin, <laughs> gentle Jerry Colonna. Greetings, Bing. Shall we sing high and high? <laughs> Wait a minute, hmm? Jerry. Before breaking into the louder stuff, there's a few things that I must know. Obviously, you've studied voice. But under whom? Who did you study under? Gaddy Kazaza or Gaetano Merola, perhaps? Oh, under the runway in Minsky's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you jest, Jerry. Not much, but you jest a little. Surely that, that golden voice, that fabulous breath control, that's not just pure happen chance, is it? Oh, of course not. My, my mustache is really responsible. Mustache? Yes. That brush there, huh? Well, in what way is that parsley patch responsible? What does it do? Strain out the clinkers? What? No. <laughs> No, it keeps my nose warm. Keeps your nose? Well, why do you want to keep your nose warm? Want to be different from the other cocker spaniels. I... <laughs> well, I've heard you sing, Professor, on uh, Senior Hope's Tuesday Night Error. 
Error? <laughs> optional spelling in there. Oh, <clears throat> Do you just sing at random, or does uh, Robert conduct you through uh, your rousing roundelays? Oh, uh, Hope stands in the wings and gives me a signal. Mm, conducts from the wings, huh? What does he do? Wave a stage brace or something? No, no. Taps me on the shoulder with his nose. Uh... <laughs> well, tell me. Hey, whoop, whoop, not yet. I just... <laughs> We're going to break out into something. Anyway. Look, uh, Hedgehead, uh, do you intend to make this thing your career, this vocal thing? Are you going oh, to build on it? Oh, no, no. I sing just to kill time. You've got a, quite a weapon, too. <laughs> I'll just pass the word to John Scott Trotter if you want, and you can rip out a roulade right here. What key do you sing in, Jeff? Anything at all would do. First I sing high, then I sing low, high, oh, high, How do you achieve a range like that? Got my Adam's apple on a yo-yo. <laughs> Obviously, I can't win here. I've got to finish out of the money. Will you sing something? And it'll be something. By all means. (laughs) Caroline. Caroline. I miss you in the morning when old Bob White gives his call. Caroline. Caroline, I miss you with the sunset when the leaving and the shadows are fall. Caroline, Caroline, I miss you when the moon beams upon the river shine. Oh, can't you hear me calling? Are you Caroline? Can you hear me calling? Caroline, it's my heart calling the dime. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Caroline, sweet Caroline. Your eyes define those lips like wine. Things are so fine, we're off to dine, partake of wine, my Caroline. Oh, press to mine, your lips divine. My Caroline, your eyes, they shine with love divine. If any swine dare try to dine you, Caroline, I'll make the swine drink iodine. <laughs> For you are mine and I am thine. You're just my kind. Do not decline, my love divine, for tears of brine will streak my spine. And when you sign on the dotted line, things will be fine. And I'll be fine. And your folks will be fine. Fine. But you know I can't find a rhyme. <laughs> well, can't you hear my lips praying? Can't you hear my soul saying? Can't you hear me calling? What's a matter yet, death or something? Caroline! You hear me shout? Caroline, 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 won't you be mine? How do you answer me, Caroline? The song is almost over. Too late, it's over. Professor, that was parfait. Every note a nugget. Now, Professor Carpenter, make yourself at home with a few notes for the homemakers. Huh? Right in through here. It was an Englishman, the Earl of Sandwich, who invented the portable meal of two slices of bread put together with a rich, flavorful filling. But we Americans popularized the handy sandwich. And today, more Americans are carrying sandwiches than ever before in history. The fillings for good sandwiches are quite a problem these days. So I want to tell you how to make the ration points you spend for fillings do double duty. Use Kraft cheese spreads. With these cheese treats, you spread in rich, moist goodness and tantalizing flavor at one and the same time. 
Take, for example, the four Kraft creamy kinds. Kraft pimento and olive pimento spreads, the zestful roca, and Kraft relish spread with the chopped pickles all through it. These rich-tasting, flavorful spreads take just two ration points a glass, and any one is all the filling you need for a swell sandwich. Look for them at the food store tomorrow. You better stock up both for lunchbox sandwiches and the wonderful holiday snacks you make in a hurry with Kraft cheese spreads. Not so very long ago, Mr. Irving Berlin had the pleasant inspiration to weave a story and song around our national holidays. You may recall it as Holiday Inn. It was the tale of a restive lad who wanted to rest. Wanted to give up the gay, giddy whirl of cafeteria society. He thought he'd exchange his exhausting career as a crooner for fun on a farm. Thought farm life was for the lazy. Foolish boy. Yes, the simple life's for me, he told his inner man. And the two of them, they made a lovely couple, were so pleased that they just burst right into melody. Let's start the new year right. Twelve o'clock tonight, when they dim the light, let's begin. Kissing the old year out. Kissing the old year in. Let's watch the old year die. With a fond goodbye And our hopes as high as a kite How can our love go wrong If we start the new year Bring out the old year Let's start the new year right But that boy found an out He opened an inn Planned to reconvert his farmhouse Keep it open only on our 15 big national holidays, thus giving him 350 non-working days. A genius, that boy, really. Giving Irving Berlin a chance to create songs commemorating such a day as Abraham Lincoln's birthday. For example. Was born a February morn, a tiny baby boy was born. He became our 16th president Now he's in the Hall of Fame A most respected gem And that is why we celebrate This a February day Abraham Wondering whether or not there was romance in this deal, there sure was. And très compliqué, too. Something about our boy's former nightclub partners. A gentleman dancer and a gentle doll trying to cut in on the loot. And there was another babe in the picture, too, making this thing quite a magilla. Long about Valentine's Day, our lad decided to do a bit of lyrical leveling. Be careful, it's my heart. It's not my watch you're holding 
It's my heart It's not the note I sent you That you quickly burn It's not the book I lent you That you never return Remember It's my heart The heart with which So willingly I part It's yours to take To keep or break But please Before you start Be careful It's my heart But then came spring L'amour was simpler. And so was our boy. Came robins and crocuses and sulfur and molasses. Came even Easter. And that light-hearted lad joined right into the love parade. In your Easter bonnet With all those frills upon it You'll be the grandest lady In the Easter Fifth Avenue The photographers will snap off And you'll find that you're in the room to grab your Oh, I could write a sonnet About your Easter bonnet And of the girl Well, our hero was a business success, even though his harmony was a little off, and even though his love life got loused up. But success took our happy little band to Hollywood, where our faithful boy wound up with the chick of his choice. And there amidst the California sunshine and showers, I mean flowers, and the outstretched palms of the agents, they settled among the orange blossoms. And they dreamt about the happy days back in their Connecticut home, up above Hartford, just a little below zero. To this very day, they appreciate the red Pacific sunsets and the blue Burbank skies. But most of all, they miss a white Christmas. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the one Listen, and children, listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow.
Christmas presents money can buy are still those ever-loving war bonds. When you give a war bond, you're giving yourself a stake in the future of free men everywhere. When you buy a war bond, you're giving the men on every fighting front the gift that they want most. The assurance the folks back home know the toughest battles are still to be won. Your war bond is actually just a loan, and the sacrifices our boys make are offered as a gift because they're fighting for the day when Christmas and once again, dawn in a world of peace. Let's let them know we're behind them with everything we got. Good night. Tune in the Craft Music Hall next Thursday when our usual Christmas show will include the Craft Choral Society with Bing singing Adeste Fidelis in Silent Night, and with John Scott Trotter and his orchestra, Eugenie Baird and the Charioteers. Jerry Colonna appeared on tonight's show through the courtesy of Pepsodent. turn is next in the merry round of Christmas time parties, treat your guests to a variety of surprises made with Pabstet cheese food. You can serve delicious golden Pabstet in a hundred or more appetizing ways. Pabstet spreads and toasts to perfection for sandwiches and snacks. Adds rich cheddar cheese flavor to omelets, Welsh rabbits, and souffles. Don't forget to buy Pabstet. Add delicious, nourishing Pabstet cheese food to your shopping list tomorrow. Hi, y'all. Um, this next one, Family Theater. I, I hope y'all enjoy Family Theater as much as I do. Um, it's an inspirational type program. Um, and it's, uh, it's for family entertainment. And it usually has somebody different hosting it each week. And on this particular show, it was Ray Milan. And, um, it's called Substitute Santa. And he got, he'll talk, your host will talk at the beginning and at the end too. So he'll talk a little bit before the show and a little bit after. So kick back and have a listen. The Mutual Broadcasting System, in cooperation with Family Theater Incorporated, presents Substitute Santa, starring Frank McHugh and James Burke. Ray Milland is your host. 
More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Our happiness so often comes from little things, the simple deeds, the daily thoughtful acts of kindness, the words of encouragement we can and should give to one another. These things mean so much, especially at home, where appreciation and gratitude may often be forgotten because, well, because it is home, and we just take for granted the kindness and encouragement that is given. It's sad to see a home where words of thanks are forgotten, or where there's distrust and constant quarreling because home was meant to be the happiest place in the world. And it can be with God's help. And in a home where there is the daily practice of family prayer, the daily expression of thanks to God, there is always a new appreciation of members of a family for one another, a new spirit of thankfulness and happiness. We will hear from Ray Milland later in the program. Now, Family Theater presents Substitute Santa, starring Frank McHugh with James Burke. Featherstone's department store. Yes, madam. All complaints on purchases made must be made in person. Sorry. Featherstone's department store. Yes, we deliver in your suburb right up to Christmas Eve. You're welcome. Featherstone's department store. Yes, sir. That's right. The one millionth person entering our Toyland will receive as a Christmas present any article on sale in our store. Yes. Yes, sir. A mink coat, a diamond ring, anything. Well, most any day now. You're welcome. Uh, Featherstone's depart. Oh, uh, M- Mr. Featherstone? Uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Potter, uh, to your office immediately? Uh, yes, sir. I- I'll start paging him right now. Uh, you're welcome. Mr. Archibald Potter, report to Mr. Featherstone's office. <laughs> Now, what does old Featherstone want? Grigsby, if they ever want you to be the manager of this store, walk. Do not run to the nearest exit. Don't worry, Mr. Potter. I'm not after your job. I have trouble enough right here in the toy department. You have troubles. I'll match troubles with you any day, Grigsby. Oh, Mr. Grigsby. Mr. Grigsby. Yes, Miss Lee? Santa Claus is ill. He's what? He's indisposed. He's, He's not feeling well. Santa Claus has a tummy ache. Oh, no. No. He can't do this to me. There's Featherstone again. Mr. Potter, if Santa Claus... That's one of your troubles. I have troubles of my own. Get up. Get on. I'm coming, F.W. I'm coming. If nothing else happens, I'll... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm awfully sorry. I... I beg your pardon. Did I hurt you? No, 
No, no, I'm all right, really. Well, that's my fault, it really is. I should have watched where I was going. No, I wasn't watching either. Uh, wait, I, I'll pick up your packages. I hope I didn't break anything. No, no, there's nothing fragile in any of them. Just a few trinkets. Some of the things that we don't have in England. Oh, you're from England. Here, oh, here, here. Yes. I think that's all your packages. Thank you. Well, well, you're from England. Well, what do you know? Well, we import a great many things from your country. I'm Archie Potter. I'm the manager of Featherstone. Oh, how interesting. So, you see, I shouldn't go around bumping into people. Miss, uh... Miss, uh... uh you said that your name was, uh... Mr. Potter, please report immediately to Mr. Featherstone's office. Please! Oh, there it goes again. All right, all right. Oh, look, wait, look, look. Uh, uh, you're, uh, you're coming into the store again, oh, aren't you? Yes, yes. I'll be here every day until... Until I find what I'm looking for. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I'll, I'll be seeing you then. Well, I, I, uh, I've got to run now. Uh, oh, goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Potter. Goodbye. She's beautiful. She's lovely. She's gorgeous. She's exquisite. that? Archie Potter. Come in. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, did uh, you want to see me, Mr. Featherstone? Yes, for the last half hour. Oh, I've been having a little trouble downstairs. You're having trouble. Huh. Come up and match trouble with me sometime. Look here, Potter. You're the one who talked me into giving a Christmas present to the millionth visitor to Toyland. Yes, F.W. I'm proud to say that was my idea. Well, I've been thinking it over and I don't like it. But F.W., you okayed it. I know I did, but it's going to cost us too much money. His choice of anything in the store. What's the most expensive article we sell? Ah, let me see. Probably that mink coat in the fur department. It sells for an even $4,000. $4,000. Suppose the lucky person is a woman. Suppose she picks that mink coat. Then we'll give it to her. We'll give it to her, just like that. Look, F.W., we've already got more than $4,000 worth of advertising out of this. Newspapers all over the country have played it up. And all the newspapers in town will send reporters and cameramen to cover it. That's all well and good, but just the and same... And we've sold more than $4,000 worth of merchandise on account of it in the toy department alone. Our sales are up at least 30000 Well, that's encouraging. But I still hope she doesn't pick the mink coat. F.W., haven't you any Christmas spirit? Why should I? Nobody ever gave me anything. I've worked hard for every penny I've made. I've never found a Santa Claus to... Oh, speaking of Santa Claus, that reminds me. May, uh, may I use your telephone? Go ahead. Uh, Miss Carter, this is Potter speaking. Will you connect me with the toy department? Thank you. What's the matter now? Santa Claus isn't feeling well. He hasn't got anything on the way I feel. Oh, hello. Uh, this is Potter. May I speak to Mr. Grigsby? Oh, oh, hello, hello, Grigsby. Yes. Is that so? Oh, yes, yes, do that, do that. I'll be down in just a few minutes. What's wrong? Santa Claus, just taken to the hospital. It looks like appendicitis. Well, that's a fine thing. Now what are we going to do? Oh, it's already been done, F.W. Grigsby, that nice-looking young chap in the toy department, he's offered a substitute for Santa. He's putting on Santa's outfit now. Grigsby, eh? Will he want anything extra for it? Well, it wouldn't hurt to give him a little extra. Look here, Potter, you're mighty free with other people's money. Well, I better go down and help Grigsby. Oh, that's seven floors of madhouse. Everything's been happening down here today. Why doesn't something good ever happen here? Well, it does. This morning, just this morning, I bumped into... Oh, F.W., she's gorgeous. 
She's the most beautiful. What are you talking about? She makes you think of white rose petals on black velvet. And she walks like a spring breeze in a field of daffodils. Who? Well, uh, the young lady I bumped into. And as dainty, as dainty as a Dresden china doll. I hope you didn't break her. Oh, no, 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 I didn't. I just came around a corner, and there she was. And then she came around a corner, and there I was. And we sort of collided. F.W., do you believe in love at first sight? Potter, stop making daisy chains out of my paper clips. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me, I'm sorry. And she's about five feet two. Eyes of blue. No, no, no. They're, they're more like an amethyst. And she walks like a spring breeze in a field of daffodils. Oh, then you've seen her. No, I haven't seen her. I'm quoting you. Potter, just how does a spring breeze walk in a field of daffodils? Go ahead, show me. Well... Oh, she knocks over ashtrays, too, eh? I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sure I, I didn't see it. You'd better get out of here. Your spring breeze is too much like a tornado. All right, F.W. I'll be back later. She does walk like a spring breeze. Get out breeze. of here. I see you're doubling in whiskers. <laughs> yes, Miss Potter. Somebody had to take Santa Claus's place, and well, I like kids, so I volunteered. Good for you. But uh, can you laugh like Santa Claus? You know, Santa has a D-party laugh. Can you give us that? I don't know. I have a lot of worries on my mind, but I'll try. How's this? Ho, 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 ho. Oh, Grigsby, Grigsby, you can do better than that. Look, for a good hearty laugh, I'll get you an extra $50. Well, that's different. Oh, 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 look, Jackie, here's Mr. Potter. Good afternoon, Mr. Potter, sir. Well, well, Mrs. Jones and Jackie, too. Hi, Jackie. Say hello to Mr. Potter. Well, Mr. Potter. Uh, Mr. Potter's the manager of this store. Oh, he works here, too, huh? Yes, Jackie. I work here just like your mother does. She cleans at night with a mop and a scrubbing brush, and I spend the day trying to keep it clean. Confidentially, hers is a better job. I think so, too. Jackie! Uh, uh, Mr. Potter, I brought Jackie down to see Santa Claus. Oh, yes? Well, Jackie, there he is. Way over there at the other end of Toyland. Oh, yeah. I see him now. He doesn't look as fat as he did last year. Well, Santa has worried a lot lately. Some of his little girls and boys haven't been so good. Oh, I've been a good boy. Yes, Jackie's been a very good boy, Mr. Potter. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if he were the millionth person to enter Toyland? It certainly would. Jackie, if you could have anything you wanted in the whole store, what would you pick? A cowboy suit. Well, for F.W.'s sake, let's hope you're the one. Uh, by the way, Mr. Potter, what's happened to the window display we always have at Christmas time? Which one, Mrs. Jones? The one that shows the Christ child in the manger oh. and the bright star and the wise men. Oh, you mean the nativity scene? Mm-hmm. Well, don't we have that one this year? No, we don't, sir. Well, now that you mention it, I don't remember seeing it. 
Why, that window was traditional at Featherstone's. Oh, the window tremors will hear about this. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned it. I'm glad you did, Mrs. Jones. I'll have that window set up tonight. Oh, that'll be fine. It's such a beautiful scene. Hey, Mom, come on. Oh, all right, Jackie. He's getting impatient, so I guess I'd better go. I'll see you tonight, Mrs. Jones. You too, Jackie. Let's see. She might be down on the fourth floor in the dress department. They don't have dresses like that in England. Yes. I think I'll get down Oh, there he goes again. All right, F.W. A head as light as a feather and a heart as hard as a stone. That's Featherstone. Well, everything's under control, F.W. Grigsby makes a fine substitute Santa. He's laughing his head off. <laughs> What's he so happy about? I promised him an extra $50. Oh, stop giving away my money. Grigsby deserves it, F.W. Well, maybe he is helping business. Oh, all right, give it to him. That reminds me. When will the millionth person enter Toyland? Well, at the rate they're coming in, it ought to happen about noon tomorrow. We'd uh, like to have you there, F.W. I'll be there. I want to kiss that $4,000 mink coat goodbye. Of course, not many people know that we have a $4,000 mink coat here, do they? Oh, yes. It's in the front window. What? Yes. It's been there all week. Oh, why did I ever own a department store? And speaking of windows, do you know that somebody forgot to set up our nativity window? You know, window number 12. I hate to pull out that merchandise display for something that doesn't bring us any business. After all, it's Christmas. Listen, F.W., that star-spangled Christmas tree you have in the main lobby, that's not Christmas. Even the seventh-floor toy land with Santa Claus, that's not Christmas. But that little scene in Bethlehem, that's Christmas. The real Christmas. Potter, there isn't a window trimmer at this late date to start. I'll fix it myself tonight. And all by myself if I have to. Someday you're going to turn the wrong corner. Uh, uh, Potter, have you seen your spring breeze blowing around anymore? No. No, I haven't, F.W., but I, I'm hoping. Oh, she has a voice like music in the moonlight. And her eyes, they're so deep, you could fall right in and drown. Potter, don't let this infatuation run away with you. Remember, your first love is Featherstone's department store. F.W., I have enough troubles without reminding me of that. Oh, Mr. Potter, that window's going to be beautiful. I didn't know you could trim windows, too. Well, Mrs. Jones, to tell you the truth, I didn't know I could either. But the subject like the nativity, you know, it's inspiration. Oh, it's just like a beautiful picture. The manger and the little Christ child and the bright star. I wonder if Jackie succeeded in finding some straw. Then we'll be finished. Uh, Mr. Potter, don't you think that Mary, the mother, should be closer to the manger, uh, sort of bending over like? Well, Mrs. Jones, you're right. I'll fix that. Here's some straw, Mr. Potter. I found some in a box. Oh, thank you, Jackie. That's just the right kind of straw. Mrs. Jones, I'm, I'm afraid we're making a mess for you to clean up. Oh, my land, Mr. Potter. That's what I'm here for. 
See, Jackie, he's putting the straw in the manger around the little Christ child. Yes, Jackie. This shows you what happened many, many years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. Was he a real baby? Oh, yes, yes, indeed, Jackie. This is one Christmas story that's real and true. That's what I was talking to Jackie about this afternoon, Mr. Potter. Yes, Christmas is the birthday of the infant Jesus. That's the real meaning of Christmas, Jackie. Mrs. Jones... You're a very devout person. And why shouldn't I be? (laughs) I'm on my knees the whole night through. (laughs) And I try to pray just as sincerely with a scrubbing brush in my hands as I do with my prayer book. Mr. Porter, when I brought the straw in, I noticed something. There's a man in one of the show windows. A man? Well, we don't have any window trimmers working tonight. Well, there's a man in one of them. Which one? That big window down there. Well, that's where the furs are. Why, there's a four thousand. You wait here, Jackie. I'm going to go and take a look. And I'll go with you, sir. And I'll take my mop along just in case. Yes, yes. All right. Come on. But everybody now, be careful. I cannot imagine how a man got in. Unless he hid in the store. Maybe that's what he did. Uh, we'll soon find out. Shh, shh. This is the window. Yes. The door into the window was open. Now, now you chase him out, and I'll swat him on the mop. All right. Get ready. What's going on in here? Oh, hello, Potter. Why, hello, Mr. Featherstone. It's you. Well, who did you expect? Miss Hush? It's all right, Miss Jones. It's the old man. uh, No, it's uh, Mr. Featherstone himself. No, sure. And I was all ready to knock somebody for a home run. F.W., what are you doing in the fur window? I was looking at this $4,000 make. Is that it? That's it. Hmm, it doesn't look so wonderful. Why, here's one for $325 that looks so much like it you can hardly tell the difference. Well, the cheaper one is a copy of it. In imitation, mate. It's a good imitation. And it's a good coat. But right. that's not the real thing. Hmm, I see. Well, you don't have to put a spotlight on this $4,000 one. It's too conspicuous. That's the first thing somebody's going to think of when he has choice of anything in the store. Well, we're trying to sell the coat before that happens, F.W., That's the only $4,000 coat we have. If we can sell it, then we won't have to give it away. I never thought of that. Put two spotlights on it. Okay, F.W. Say, Mom, is that old man Featherstone? Hush, Jackie. Yes, this is the man who owns the store. Who's this? This is Mrs. Jones of the cleaning department. And this is my boy, Jackie. My mother says you're a fine man. Well, she does, eh? She says you give a lot of work to a lot of people. Yes, I guess I do. But she says you're a lonely old codger, too. Jackie! <laughs> Never mind him, Mr. Featherstone. The boy is right, Mrs. Jones. I am a lonely old codger. Mom, why don't we invite Mr. Featherstone over to our house for Christmas dinner? Oh, no, Jackie. Mr. Featherstone already has a place to eat Christmas dinner. Yes, of course. I always eat Christmas dinner at my club. But uh, thank you, just the same. Come on, Jackie. We mustn't bother Mr. Featherstone. And besides that, I've got the main lobby to scrub. Bye, Mr. Featherstone. Goodbye, Jackie. Mrs. Jones. Christmas dinner, eh? Do you suppose the boy meant it? I'm sure he meant it. They'd enjoy having me? Why, certainly they would. They're real people. You're not a millionaire to them. You're just a lonely old codger. Well, Potter, you might as well get back to your Christmas, Wendy. I saw it from outside. It's mighty nice. Wow. Well, thanks. All right, F.W., I'll go back and finish it. 
Do that. Hmm. A $4,000 mink coat and a $325 coat that looks just like it. Now, if somebody accidentally switched the price tags on those two coats just for one day, who would know the difference? Then, if somebody picks the $4,000 one, it would only cost us $325. Hmm. Why not? Oh, Featherstone. That's what's wrong with you. You're always thinking about money. That's why you're a lonely old codger. Kindly step back, folks. Let the people get into Toyland. Don't crowd, please. Don't crowd. Remember, there are children here. Potter, are we getting near the finish? Oh, there you are, F.W. I was afraid you'd miss it. One at a time, please. Go through the turnstile in the single file. Yes, we're coming. The last time it'll happen any minute now. Good. I'll be glad to get it over with. Oh, yes, yes. It's been great, F.W. Oh, look. Look, there she is. Who? What are you talking about? That's her. That's her. That's the girl who... uh... Oh, you mean the spring breeze. Say, she's all right. F.W., she's getting in line. She's coming in a toy lamp. Oh, if she could only be the one millionth person. Potter, that sort of thing only happens in books. Well, she's one in a million, of course, if she could only be the one in this million. Miss Hunter, what's the count? Seventy-five. Seventy-five, seventy-six, seventy-seven, seventy. It could be, it could be. Then nine, eighty. She's getting closer. Eighty-one, eighty-two. Eighty-three. She'll never make it. Eighty-four, eighty-five. Eighty-six. It's going to be close. Seven, eighty-eight. She's ninety-nine. Ninety, ninety-one. You know how to pick them. Ninety-two, ninety-three. She's not bad. Ninety-four. Ninety-five. Oh, I'm afraid. Look at the night six and seven. I'll never be the same again. Ninety-eight, ninety-nine. One million. She made it! <laughs> Ma'am, you are it. I don't understand. What's all this about? Well, haven't you read our advertisements? You're the one millionth person entering our toy land. Oh, And now I can find out your name. I'm Margaret Allen. Mrs. or Miss, oh, I yes. hope. That's wonderful. And you're from... Uh, from Liverpool. That's marvelous. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the happy pleasure to announce that the one millionth person entering Toyland is Miss Margaret Allen of Liverpool, England. Will you post my picture, please? Yes, I'm so bewildered by all this sudden attention. I, I really... I... Hold on, Potter. I want you in this picture, too. After all, I'm only the owner of the store. Oh. Oh, oh yes, yes. Excuse me, Miss Allen. This is F.W. Featherstone himself. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Featherstone. How do you do, young lady? Now, you fellows with the cameras, be sure you get all three of us in. Hold it. Hold it now. Hold it. Hold it. There. Thanks, fellas. Thanks. Now, young lady... What do you want for Christmas? I don't understand. Well, it's like this, Miss Allen. For being the one millionth person to enter Toyland, you get your choice of any article on sale in the store. Oh, goodness. You mean any article I want? Yes. Anything from a stick of gum to a $4,000 mink coat. Yes, or, or yes, uh, anything you want. I know what I want. I don't know whether I'd ever be able to use it, but this is what I want. A wedding gown. A wedding gown? You shall have the best wedding gown in the store. Better than that. I'll include a complete wedding trousseau. Oh, Mr. Featherston, I don't know how to thank you. Well, wait, wait. What What uh, I would like to know is, who is the lucky man? Well, I, 
I don't know. You don't know? You see, in England during the war, I met an American soldier. I fell in love with him. We planned to be married on Christmas Day, but he was called away from England. Oh, that was a tough break. While he was gone, my home in Liverpool was struck by a bomb. Oh, I spent months and months in the hospital, and when I got out, I was well physically, but I couldn't remember anything. Amnesia. Well, that's what they called it. I couldn't even remember the name of my sweetheart. I'm sure if I see him, I'll know him until all come back. But how did you happen to come in here to Featherstone? Well, I found a letter in my belongings. It was just fine, Joe, but I'm sure it was from him. And he said in his letter that when the war was over, he'd go back to his old job at Featherstone. We have a lot of returned soldiers here. Half of them are named Joe. Well, I started coming here yesterday. I intended to go to every department of the store and see if I could find him. Well, if he's in the store, we'll find him for you. Miss Allen, I'm from the Daily Gazette. Would you mind posing with Santa Claus while we take a picture? That's a good idea. You know, Potter... Giving this Christmas present and making this young lady so happy has made me feel good, too. That's the fun you've been missing, F.W. Come on, Miss Allen. Santa Claus over here. Oh, 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 oh. And what do you want, little man? Here you are. Here's Santa Claus, Miss Allen. Climb right into the sleigh with him. Come on, F.W. You get in, too. You've been kind of a Santa Claus to her. Margaret. It's Margaret. Margaret Allen. Bigsby, do, do, you, do you know this girl? Know her? I hunted all over England for her. Joe Grigsby, it's you! Oh, Joe! Margaret! Why, Potter, I thought you... Oh, my dream girl. And what happens? She marries Santa Claus. And a substitute Santa at that. Substitute Santa starred Frank McHugh as Mr. Potter with James Burke as Mr. Featherstone. Now, here is your family theater host for tonight, Ray Moran. This is the age of invention, the day of scientific discovery. There are discoveries in atomic power and supersonics. There are inventions for super planes, super bridges, super buildings, and millions of other inventions that find their way to farms, factories, and homes. No one questions the progress made in things scientific and intellectual. But what about the simple art of living together? And the simplest art, because it's so fundamental, the art of living together as a family. In a land of freedom, each man's home is his castle. A home isn't only built of stone or bricks or walls or roof. It's built with the spirit of a boy and girl who pledge their unchanging love in the sacred bond of marriage. And where there's God's blessing in the daily practice of family prayer and a home, it is in truth an unchanging love because the family that prays together stays together. Before saying goodnight, I'd like to thank Frank McHugh and James Burke for their performances this evening. Our thanks to Harry Lawrence for writing tonight's play and to Max Terre for his music. This production of Family Theatre Incorporated was directed by David Young. Others who appeared in tonight's play were Una Mordeshed, Margie List, Joe Graham, Bob Rockwell, Gwen Delano, Phil Bernard, and Bob Young. Next week, our Family Theatre stars will be Johnny Johnston and Catherine Grayson in a rose by any other name. And your host will be Don Amici. This is Ray Milan saying good night and God bless you.
series of the Family Theater broadcast is made possible by the thousands of you who felt the need for this kind of program, by the mutual broadcasting system which has responded to this need, and by a friend of the New York Foundling Hospital which cares for homeless and motherless babies without distinction of race, creed, or color. Be with us next week at the same time when our Family Theater stars will be Johnny Johnston and Catherine Grayson with Don Amici as host. Tony LaFrano speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Folks, the, these next two people just keep me laughing every time I listen to them. Uh, Fibber McGee and Molly. And um, they play a husband and wife on the show, but then in real life they're... Um, husband and wife they're Jim and Mary and something I forgot their last name but um, to me they just seem like Fibber McGee and Molly <laughs> and uh, what makes the show funny and I didn't know this when I first uh, or what makes it funnier I should say is that um, and I didn't know this until after I'd listened to a few episodes uh, there's this episode there's this little girl that comes in there all the time bothering Fibber <laughs> he's kind of like uh, uh, Dennis Mitchell bothering Mr. Wilson because she's got 150 questions and um, but her name is Teeny and so for a long time I thought that was a little girl doing you know a, a real little girl they had on there but it wasn't it was uh, uh, Mrs. Fibber doing the voice of that little girl and it didn't sound fake at all it sounded like a little girl's voice I don't know how she did it but she did it but um, of course they were um, advertised they were sponsored by uh Johnson and Johnson, Johnson's Wax, I believe it was, yeah. And I can remember that brought back memories because I can remember my mama using Johnson's Wax. <laughs> um, what do you do? What do you use that for? Wax your floors if you had, you know, like hardwood. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. And so this one is called Mailing Christmas Packages. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with crazy rhythm. coming holiday season, there's probably going to be more activity than usual around your home. There'll be more wear and tear on your floors, especially in the kitchen. If those floors are protected with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, you won't have to worry about them at all. If you're not using glow coat now, this would be an excellent time to try it. Glow coat offers many advantages. First, it protects linoleum against wear, scratches, and dirt. Cleaning is easier because spilled things are quickly wiped up with a damp cloth. 
Second, Glow Coat makes linoleum floors more beautiful, gives them a gleaming polish that keeps the colors fresh and bright. Third, it makes the linoleum last longer. And fourth, it's a wonderful time and labor saver. Johnson's Glow Coat is self-polishing. It needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let dry. In 20 minutes, your floors shine with new beauty. Be sure Johnson's Glow Coat is on your next shopping list. your Christmas packages early is a great idea for two reasons. One, it gets them off your mind. And two, the recipient has time to look his gift over and change yours for something cheaper. <laughs> so here at 79 Wistful Vista, about to depart for the post office with arms full of packages, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Dearie, let's be sure we got everything. Okay. Here's the one for Aunt Beth. Yeah. One for Uncle Dennis. We don't have to mail that. He'll be with us over Christmas. He's going to be with us here for Christmas? Sure. Oh, happy Yuletide. <laughs> McGee, don't be like that. Where's your Christmas spirit? I had it up on my closet shelf, and Uncle Dennis found it. And... McGee! <laughs> That's enough of that. Yeah. Would have been enough for me, but that guy is so thirsty. Please! <laughs> Please, let's not discuss Uncle Dennis anymore. Okay. Hey, why don't we go down to the post office after supper instead of now? There might be less of a crowd down there. I don't know if they're open that late. Oh, I'll call. See, hand me that phone. Thanks. Hello, operator. Give me the post up. Oh, is that you, Mert? Uh, <laughs> how's everything, Mert? Says, eh? What's say, Mert? Your 17-year-old sister. Had her face lifted. Oh, heavenly days. What'd she do that for? She couldn't help it. She bought a false face for a New Year's party and somebody swiped it. <laughs> What's say, Mert? <laughs> yes, it laid there. <laughs> What's say? Oh, the post office don't answer, eh? Okay, never mind, Mert. Well, come on, Molly. I guess we better go on down there now. All right. You got enough money with you for stamps? Oh, I don't need any. I got an account with the government. Income tax, FHA, HOLC. <laughs> oh, dear. Come in. Hey, Mr. McGee. Huh? Come over to my house right away, will you? What's the matter now? His brother was rehearsing his Santa Claus act, and he got a horn caught in his pants. Why, he's too old to be playing with toys like that. It ain't one of the toys. It's one of the reindeer. Hurry, will you? <laughs> Well, are you going, McGee? Nah, he ain't the only guy who gets antlers in his pants around Christmas. <laughs> now, let's see, you take those four packages there, and I'll carry these couple... Hey, what's in this big one here? Which one? This one. Oh, that? Uh-huh. Why, that's a new aluminum baking dish I got for Aunt Sarah. Oh, a camisole, eh? <laughs> no, you mean casserole, dearie. I do not. Casserole is medicine. Go on. That's castor oil. Well, then, what's a camisole? Well, a camisole is the... <laughs> well, it's a sort of a... <laughs> uh-huh. You see? So it is something you cook in. <laughs> well, it could be in hot weather. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll bet that's a good... 
Oh, we'll never get to the post office if people keep coming in like this. See who it is, dearie. Hey, it's Gildersleeve. Oh. With an armful of Christmas presents and a big smile on his face. Oh, dear. Must be bringing us our presents. Oh, and I haven't got his wrapped up yet. Play oh, well. Come in, come in, come in. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. How nice to see you. Ah, uh, hi, Gildy, old man. You're looking well. A new suit? Why, no, it's the same suit I always wear. Well, it certainly looks nice. Have a chair, Mr. Gildersleeve. Have a cigar, too. Yeah, no, thanks. I just dropped it. How is dear Mrs. Gildersleeve? Why, she's splendid, thank you. But the reason I came No, over... I was just saying to Molly. <laughs> Molly, I says, we got to do something nice for Gildersleeve this Christmas. He's been a mighty fine neighbor, I says. And I says, yes, McGee, I says. He's been so nice to us, I says. <laughs> Though I hope he doesn't give us anything. <laughs> well, I'm glad you feel that way about it, Mrs. McGee, because I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> hmm. That is the same old suit you got on, ain't it? <laughs> Getting pretty baggy, too, if you ask me. <laughs> Was there uh, something you wanted, Mr. Gildersleeve? We were just leaving for the post office. Oh, yes. McGee told me this morning you were going to the post office. I just stopped in to see if you'd mail these packages for me while you were down there. Hey, wait a minute. Why, shucks, we already got more than we can... And I wish you'd buy me some stamps, too, while you're at it. Say, you might save time, Mr. Gildersleeve, to get your stamps at Kramer's Drugstore. Oh, they're too expensive down there. What do you mean, expensive? Stamps are the same everywhere. Yeah, I know, but I hate to go into a store and buy stamps. They don't make any profit on them. Well, what's that got to do? So, I usually make a few purchases to ease my conscience. Oh, oh I see. Yes. The last time I bought a two-cent stamp in a drugstore, I came home with a hot water bottle, <laughs> toy submarine, three rolls of film, a rental detective story, and a couple of badminton rackets, and a big gob of hot fudge on my necktie. <laughs> guy as fat as you are has got no business eating hot fudge. Who's fat? Well, besides you, there's Oliver Hardy, Don Wilson, Paul Whiteman. Ooh. <laughs> You're a hard man, McGee. Now, let's not get into any argument, boys. We'll get your stamps for you, Mr. Gildersleeve. What kind do you want? Well, I want two sheets of fives, four sheets of ones, one sheet of twos, and three sheets of fours. <laughs> Spit out your gum and do it again, Gilbert. Well, all right. I want three sheets of twos, two of threes, four of fives, and fives of fours. How about six of ones and half a dozen of the others? Gildersleeve, they don't make any four-cent stamps. Oh, yes, they do. They do not. They do, too. They do not. They do not. No! Boy, stop fussing. Well, if I knew as little about my own government as this big chowderhead... Don't you call me a chowderhead, you little termite. Gildersleeve, one of these days you're going to exonerate me too far. And I still say they don't make any four-cent stamps. How do you know? Because I used to work in the post office, that's how I know. Is that so? Yes, that's so. Well, I started working in the post office when I was knee-high to a mailbox. He did, he did. I had charge of the branch in the Savoy Hotel. Stamping at the Savoy McGee, I was no doubt. <laughs> 
stamping at the Savoy McGee. Slick as silk and strong as Samson at slamming a sack of circular single-handed on a schooner sailing to the South Seas or a streamliner scheduled to scoop to Sioux City. Celebrated as a salary-saving super salesman by selling scores of six-cent stamps to sentimental sailors, sending souvenirs to Sweeties in Samoa, Siam, Ceylon, San Salvador, and similar scattered seaports. Smiling and singing as I stamped and sealed stuff from city to city and state to state. A solid civil servant serving citizens and scamps. Well, let's get down to the post office and buy this lot some stamps. be glad to unload them. Well, we won't unload them very quick, dearie. Huh? Look at the long lines in front of the windows. Oh, boy. Hey, folks, you mind if we squeeze in here? We got an important engagement we'd like to get oh, to. Hey, 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 hey. Get back in the line, you. Who do you think you are, anyway? Wait in the line like the rest of us. <laughs> Maybe we better go to the end of the line, Molly. <laughs> More democratic. <laughs> McGee. Do you realize how many people are ahead of us in this line? Huh? Seventy-three. Well, and a good thing, too. Keeps them off the streets. McGee. Huh? This man's standing in front of me. Huh? I wish he'd turn around and face the way everybody else is. He's got a blank look on his face that bothers me somehow. Well, move aside a little. I can't see over these packages. You see him there? Oh, that ain't his face. Hey, bud. Uh, you got your toupee on backwards. <laughs> My goodness. Thanks, Lode. Oh, look, McGee, here comes Mrs. Uppington Mrs. Uppington? What's she doing in a post office? Don't she know these places are infested with common people? <laughs> I see she brought her Pekingese along to lick the stamps for her Uh-oh. Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Uppington? So nice to see you oh, How do you do, Mrs. McGee? And Mr. McGee? Hi, Uppy Hi, puppy <laughs> Good heavens, what a lot of people. Do you have to stand in line like that? 
Don't you know anyone in an executive position who would take care of you? <laughs> well, me and Jim Farley was great pals, Eppie, but Jim don't work here anymore, and I, I don't know the new guy. <laughs> Besides, we're no better than anyone else. Uh, I think, my dear, as the saying goes, you have something there. <laughs> Mailing your Christmas packages. Oh, no. No, we just brought them down here to see if they were wrapped up as pretty as other people. (laughs) Say, uh, while we're kicking the Ascot basket around, Abigail, what's the idea of bringing that dime-sized Doberman in here? Oh, oh, you mean Cece? Cece. Isn't she sweet? (laughs) Another little darling. Say hello to Mr. and Mrs. McGee, Cece. Wonderful, ain't it, Molly? I always wondered how you said hello in Pekingese. Oh, hasn't she a sweet little face? Such bright eyes and such animation. (laughs) You know, sometimes I could almost believe she was laughing at me. Well, if she's really intelligent, how could she help it? (laughs) She is very intelligent, Mrs. McGee. Her mother was champion Floradora, Conquistadora Brownie the Fifth of Philadelphia. Oh. And who was her father? Or am I putting Fifi on the spot? I knew she was either from Philadelphia or New York, Uppy. She's got that mutterpodden look. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mr. McGee. Don't thank him for that one. <laughs> I still don't know why you should bring her into the post office, Mrs. Uppington, when everything is so busy. Oh, well, I wanted her to mix with the crowds, Mrs. McGee, oh, to yes. give her some real holiday atmosphere. This is Fifi's first Christmas, you know. <laughs> Isn't it, Fifi? <laughs> <laughs> She muffed that one up. She said hello again. Well, if she did, she must have had a very good reason for it. Oh. Fifi is a very intelligent dog and very valuable, too. She's worth at least $2,000. $2,000? What do you mean, $2,000? Why, shucks, that's more than I'm worth. Well, some dogs are worth more than others. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt slayed the Rough Riders with that one. <laughs> Say, I wish we could get up to the window. This line hasn't moved two feet in a half hour. Well, I'll take care of that. Watch me. Hey, up ahead there. Can't you move along any faster? Okay, okay, okay. I was just asking. <laughs> you getting tired, Molly? I certainly am. My feet are beginning to agitate for better working conditions. Mine, too. I wish we could... Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, little girl. What you doing here? I'm mailing a letter to Santa Claus, I bet you. Are you? <laughs> no, we're not. Why? Huh? Hmm? What'd you say? When? <laughs> Never mind. What'd you ask Santa Claus in your letter? I asked him to make the man next door not mad at me anymore because I don't think he's going to give me anything for Christmas, I bet you. <laughs> well, what juvenile peccadillo aroused his antipathy, sister? Hmm? Yeah. What's the matter with you? <laughs> pardon me, Mr. Pardon. I said, what'd you do that made the man next next door mad at you? <laughs> Last summer, I went in his backyard and I picked some of his permissions. Some of his what? Permissions. You know, it's a kind of a fruit that makes the picker pucker. <laughs> oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Well, why didn't you ask him if you could pick them? Well, I was afraid he wouldn't give his persimmon. You mean his permission? No, I picked his permission. 
Look, sis, you don't pick permissions. You give persimmons. Er, you persnip. Let's start over again and make it pears. All righty. Grizzly pears or teddy pears? So you're mailing a letter to Santa Claus, are you? Sure. You see, here it is. Oh, say, that's pretty good handwriting, sis. I know it. Don't tell me you wrote that. No, my papa wrote it. I always ask him to write my Santa Claus letters. (laughs) That's a very good idea. Sure it is, I bet Mm -hmm. you. All us kids do that because our papas all believe in Santa Claus. (laughs) Oh, they they do, eh? Sure. (laughs) So why should we tell them any different if it makes them happy? (laughs) Go on, mister. What makes this whole line of people give that sudden jerk every few minutes? Why, don't you know? No. That seventh man up ahead has got the hiccups. <laughs> All I gotta say... Hi there, Fibber. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. Hi, Harlow. Hey, take my place in this line a while, will you? I want to go sit down someplace for a while. Me too. Gee, I'm sorry, folks. I'd like to, but I haven't got time. I just dashed in here to mail some special orders to Racine, Wisconsin. What do you mean by special orders? says he with a sly twinkle in his eye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know how important it is to have a home clean and shining with Johnson's Wax when all the family is home for the holidays. Yes, we do. And how gleaming hospitality of Johnson Wax floors and furniture lends an air of cheerfulness to Yuletide gatherings. Yeah, naturally we understand all that. And how Johnson's Wax will beautify and protect against the wear and tear of Christmas and New Year celebrations. Dad, Brad, what's so special about that? Oh, just to get the orders in on time. Oh, I see. So you can do your Christmas shipping early. Oh. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I said... Ah, it ain't funny, McGee. <laughs> do our Christmas shipping early. Yeah. That's pure golden bantam for my money. <laughs> yeah, the only difference between Fibber and a corn crib is that you can hear the corn through his cracks. <laughs> well, I'll see you later, Paul. thought we'd have to stand in line this long two weeks before Christmas. Blankets, cushions, folding chairs. Might as well be comfortable while you wait, folks. Blankets, folding chairs, cushions. Get your... Oh, hello there, kid. Hello, Mr. Oldtimer. Since when have you been working in the post office, Oldtimer? No, I'm kind of a pensioner around here, kids. They give me the job in memory of my sister, Nellie. Oh. Oh, dear. What happened to your sister, Nellie? Well... We never knew, daughter. She was a Pony Express rider in 1848. One day she disappeared. Mail bag and all. <laughs> all us figured she must have got caught in a landslide. A uh, reckless critter Nellie was. But me and Ma, we never give up hope. We always thought that someday hey, Nellie would hop. Hi, Roy. How's Ma? Fine. Where have you been? I got caught by engines. Just got away three days ago. <laughs> they got great news for you, Roy. What's that? They discovered gold in California. You don't say. Yep. Climb up in the saddle, Roy. Soon as I deliver this mail, I gotta go home and get a clean shirt. This buckskin's beginning to chase me. <laughs> yeah, sir. Make way for the U.S. mail. Yes, sir. I'm with you. Yeah. 
King's men sing Hilda. Hello, Hilda, who plays in the band. She plays the bass drum and it tells you she's grand. My heart goes trick, trick, trick. It jumps so high, it beats so quick. Then she gets up with a big hot lick. Boom, boom, ba-doom. Bing! Every feller wants to tell her, this is be my wife. She keeps beating and repeating, never in your life. Hey, would build a little love nest for two.
I uh, hope you're writing your dear old mother a Christmas letter, Mr. Boomer. Exactly what I am doing, my dear. Have to be careful what I say, too. The warden reads every word of her letters. <laughs> Let me see now. What did I do with Mother's letter? Like to read it to you. Oh, never mind, Boomer. We're too tired to... Now, let me see. When I put Mother's letter, had it right here a moment ago. Here's the short end of an exploded cigar. <laughs> Just the butt of an old joke, you might say. <laughs> Invitation to a New England boiled dinner. Ought to be interesting. Never been boiled at a New England dinner. Well, never mind looking, Mr. Boomer. We're in no mood now. Ah, what's this? Pair of cellophane gloves. Very handy to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. A <laughs> couple of diamond shoulder clips I picked up as I shouldered my way out of a clip joint. <laughs> and a check. Well, well, imagine that. A check. Made out to a man named Mortis Pan. Mortis Pan was M-O-R-T-I. Excuse me while I go practice the signature. Good day, my dear. Good day, you. What a crook. Isn't he, though? He was born with a gold chisel in his mouth. Yeah. How many ahead of us, dearie? I'm about ready to give up here. No, it's only three now, Molly. Just hang on. Oh, it's only two. Lady just got through. Hold the packages to one side, dearie. Yeah. I want to... Lean against you a few minutes. All right, you're next, madam. Hey, come on. We're next at the window, Molly. Ah, thank goodness this will soon be over. That's what I say. I'm completely exhausted. All right, sir, you're next. Ah, bud, you're a sight for sore eyes. Here. Ah, weigh them packages and tell me how much postage. Sorry, sir, can't do that here. Why not? We've been standing in line here for three hours. (laughs) But this is the money order window. You'll have to get in that long line over there. and Molly will be back in just a moment. Well, these certainly are busy times for all of us. There are so many more things to do than we can possibly squeeze into every 24 hours. That's probably one reason why so many women sing the praises of Johnson's self-polishing glow coat, the floor polish that saves them so many hours of work. With glow coat, the care of floors, especially linoleum surfaces, is remarkably simple. There's practically no work to it at all. Just pour a little glow coat onto your clean floor, spread it around, and let it dry. Come back in 20 minutes to find a sparkling surface, colors bright and cheerful, protected against scratches and dirt. And Glow Coat will greatly lengthen the life of your linoleum, too. Ask your dealer for Johnson's Glow Coat in the familiar red and yellow can. And by the way, when you're making up your Christmas list, don't forget that either Glow Coat or Johnson's Wax makes a very useful and welcome gift for a friend. Ladies and gentlemen, the prevention and control of tuberculosis is a year-round fight. But only at Christmas time are you asked for financial support and encouragement. That's right. So be sure your letters and packages are decorated with Christmas seals. Thank you, and good night. Good night, all. Marlowe Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Colish and Glow Coat, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night.
Would you rather drive a dull, dingy car or a sparkling, shiny one? Maybe you still think the job of wax polishing is costly or hard work. Then let me urge you to investigate and try Carnew, Johnson's sensational new, easy-to-use auto polish. Carnew does two things at once, both cleans and wax polishes in one operation. In half the time these jobs used to require, Carnew's cost is low, and once you've seen what beautiful results it gives, you'll say with car owners everywhere... Your car looks like new when you use Carnew, spelled C-A-R-N-U. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Next, I have for you one that just, <laughs> I love William Bendix. Uh, and I, he, he played the life of Riley. And, um, or I mean, I'm sorry, he played Riley in the show Life of Riley. His name was, uh, never mind, I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, but anyway, he, he was the father and he had two kids, uh, and then he had his wife, Peg. And, uh, so they were having a discussion about, uh, buying a family Christmas present, you know, one that everybody could enjoy. And, uh, Peg and her mother wanted, uh, um, or Peg and the daughter wanted uh, a television set, or yeah, yeah, and they wanted a piano, and Riley uh, wanted a TV set, and so he wound up getting the boy over on his side, and uh, so that he'd vote for the TV set. And so, anyway, somehow or other, it winds up that uh, uh, they're, they're going to get the piano. And Riley has a fit. And uh, so, so it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, if you're familiar with William Bendix, Riley is one of these that kind of it's like it has to be his way or the highway. And then when he finds out it's going to be his way a lot of times, then he wants to turn things around because he starts to feel guilty. (laughs) And, uh, oh, it's so sad that a lot of these people are dead now. Uh, It just... I tell you what, I was was born in the wrong era. Era. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Are you saying your birth was an error? <laughs> oh well, it might have been, especially in 1959. I was born in the wrong era, is what I should say. And, and sometimes I think I was for real, but uh, <laughs> uh, but it's called. But anyway, that's what it's called: special Christmas present, and y'all enjoy it. And I think. Uh, Victor, have you listened to it yet? Have you? Not yet. No. Well, you get your chance. Right, right this minute. Well, <laughs> brings you the life of Riley. <laughs> Well, the shampoo that removes unsightly dandruff in as little as three minutes and leaves hair radiantly clean, radiantly lovely, presents The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. (laughs) 
Christmas Day has come and gone, and there now reposes in the Riley living room a very special gift. Just how this particular package from Santa Claus came to be there is quite a story. A story that began three days before Christmas. Junior, what are you going to get Mother for Christmas? Gee, I wish I knew, Babs. I'm stuck. What are you getting her? I don't know either. Mother needs so many things. What do you think, Daddy? Well, why don't you ask your mother? I, I think this business of surprising people with gifts is a lot of poppy rot. Huh? What is? Oh, hello, Dumplin'. I was just saying it's such a nuisance trying to figure out what to buy people for Christmas. It's much better to ask them what they want and get it. Why surprise them? That's what I'm doing this year. Peg, uh, what do you want for Christmas? I'd rather be surprised. No, no, no. Let's be practical. Now, come on. Tell me, what's the one thing you want me to buy you? A mink coat. You're going to be surprised. <laughs> now, I think half the fun with Christmas presents is not knowing what you're getting. Yes, Junior's right. Well, sure, it's fun, but you get such useless stuff. Like like last Christmas, Peg. It's very sweet of your father to surprise me, but frankly, what good is that present to me? Well, let's see now. What did Papa send you? A pair of wooden shoes. They're still, still laying in my closet. Uh, Daddy, they were shoe trees. You're supposed to put them in your shoes. Well, how I get my feet in? <laughs> oh, never mind that. Take Junior's gift. Now, not that I ain't touched by your thoughts, son. Oh, you mean the money clip I gave you? Yeah, what do I use that money clip for? To hold my unpaid bills. <laughs> and what did you surprise me with, Peg? An alarm clock. Darn thing wakes me up every morning. Well, I'm sorry to hear my gift didn't please you. Well, I'm sorry too, Dumplin', but you know me. I'm straight and forward. And if you were honest like me, you'd admit you didn't like the perfume I gave you last Christmas. Why, I, I, I do so like it. Well, you certainly don't use it much. You've still got over a pint left. <laughs> well, Mom uses it, Pop, instead of Airwick. Uh, you can laugh, but believe me, I know what I'm talking about. We'd be much better off if we... Hey, I got a great idea. Look, instead of buying each other little gifts this year, why don't we all chip in and buy one big present for the house? Something we can all enjoy, huh? Why, Riley, that's a very sensible idea. It's a wonderful idea, Daddy. Well, I think it's great. Oh, you, you like the idea? Yeah, Pop. Where'd you get it? I didn't get it anywhere. It's just laying around in my head. Well, let's see. What'll we get? Oh, I adore a little piano. You know, a spinning. We can get a second-hand one pretty recently. No, no. Let's get something useful, like, uh, like a new television set. Now, wait a minute. Before we decide, let's see how much money we have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, everybody get their money and put it right here on the table. Here. Well, I've got mine right here. Mm-hmm. $18. Yeah, here's mine. I've got 15 Now, uh, how about yours, Peg? Well, I, uh, I don't know exactly. Well, get it. I'll give it to you later. Oh, oh I see. It's in your little hiding place, and you don't want me to know where it is. <laughs> oh, why, it, it's not there Don't apologize. Dollars. I'll close my eyes, and you get your $25 from behind the radio. <laughs> Riley, you know. Uh, <laughs> I can't hide anything in this house. Well, here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much we got so far? Well, let's see. 18 and 15 is 33 and 25. Comes to a total of $58. And, Daddy, you haven't even put in your money yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, with, with my share, it comes to... Uh, uh, 
just all I've got on me now. I'm giving $75 when I get my Christmas bonus. Well, can't you give the money now? Well, what's the matter? Don't you trust me? Well, if you feel that way, here's an IOU. Oh, now stop worrying, Junior. Your father's good for the money. You bet I am. Why, I can name 50 people in this town who are holding my IOUs. <laughs> for years. Now, how much have we got in our joint account? Well, all told, we have $133. Great. I'll go down tonight and order one of them new C.A.R. television sets. C.A.R.? You mean R.C.A. C.A.R. stands for Chester A. Riley. I'm changing R.C.A. around. But, dear, $133 isn't enough for a set. Well, it's enough for a down payment. We'll pay the balance in installments. Television set's all right, but I'd much rather we got a little spin at piano. Oh, yes, a piano'd be fine. A piano. You young kids with your wild, modern ideas, a piano. I may be old-fashioned, but I know how to raise my children. We're getting a television set. <laughs> That's a fine piece of logic, I must say. Now, after all, Riley, Babs is entitled to her opinion. Now, look, this ain't getting us anywhere. There's only one way to settle this, by a vote. Majority rule. Yes, I think that's a good idea. Okay, let's vote. No, all right, but remember, once we vote, it's all settled. No squawks. All right. Well, piano or television set, Babs? Piano. Junior? Television. And I vote for television, so we'll get it. Now, wait a minute, wait, Riley. Wait. I didn't vote yet. Well, I know, but every election you vote the way I tell you to. <laughs> well, not this election. I'm voting for a piano. Well, that's two to two, Pop. Yeah, a deadlock. Well, uh, there's only one way to settle this. Let's toss a coin, okay? All right. All right with me. Okay. Now, here's a coin. Heads, it's a piano. Tails, it's television. Here we go. Heads, we got a piano. Wait a minute. Two out of three. <laughs> Here goes. It's heads again. We win. So, wait a minute. Three out of five. <laughs> That's not fair. Well, what do you mean it's not fair? After all, whose coin is it? Here we go. Four out of seven. <laughs> Heads again. Okay. Thirty-three out of sixty-seven. Here goes. Hey, pay attention, will you? Well, what do you... Riley, you've been tossing that coin for an hour. Yeah, Pop, my back is breaking from picking it up. Now, look, Riley, if you can't give in gracefully, let's forget about the whole thing. No, no. No, it's a good idea getting one big present for the house, but everybody's got to be satisfied. But you said the toss would decide, and according to the toss, the piano won. Never mind the toss. You know I'm against gambling. <laughs> We're going to vote the Democratic way. That's how we'll get the television set. Oh, I've had enough of this. Babs, dear, please give me a hand with the laundry. Okay, Mother, a pleasure. Uh, Junior. Junior, listen. What, Pop? I want you to try and influence your sister. Influence her? Yeah. Oh, you mean about that television set? Yeah, you don't want a piano for Christmas, do you? Oh, gosh, no. If I want music, I can play my drums. Good, well, then work on it. Get her to change her vote. 
Well, I'll try, Pop. That a boy, and I'll sell your mother on television. Oh, you'll never get Mom to change her vote. She wants a piano. Oh, go on. I can get her to do anything. You don't know me when I turn on a charm on the opposition sex. <laughs> I'm a middle-aged Charles Boyer. <laughs> Pop, you start on beds, and I'll give out with a rally charm on your mother. Huh? Well, okay, Pop. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Ah, Peggy, it is so good to see you again. <laughs> How are you, my little chair, Amy? Let me to kiss the tip of your beautiful ear. Now, just relax, park your carcass. What <laughs> a piano. That Charles Boyer must be slipping. <laughs> now, listen, Dublin, about this television set. Oh, please, this dear, set. don't bother me about it now. I've got a lot of work to do. Oh, Okay. But just remember, if we don't get a television set, you'll be responsible for driving me to drink. I mean it. If we don't have a television set at home, I'll have to go where there is one. Mazer's Bar. They don't like you to sit there hours on end without ordering a drink. So naturally, I order. First, I order milk. Then maybe root beer. But Mazer only likes men of distinction. So pretty soon, I'm ordering bourbon. I force myself to drink it. One drink leads to another. First thing you know, I got to have it. Every night I stagger home drunk. You try to stop me, of course. You take me to that club that you're drinking. You know, Alka-Seltzer Anonymous? <laughs> well, it's no use. I'm too far gone. Soon I'm drunk 12 hours a day. Then 24. Then 36. I start beating you. And you take advantage of my weakened condition and you fight back. Every night we're fighting in the living room. And the kids watch. Now, wouldn't it be better instead if they watched the fights on television? <laughs> well? What'd you say, dear? I wasn't listening. What did I say? I've been on a blind jerk for the last three minutes and you weren't listening. I'm talking about the television set. After all, I'm the head of this house, and I work hard, and I'm entitled to a little consideration. And the least you can do is... Heaven's sake, all right, get a television set. You won't stop nagging until you do. You change your vote? Yes, yes. The old charm still works. Bad <laughs> Junior, come in here, quick, hurry. Daddy. What happened? Nothing happened. We're going to take another vote. Oh, again? Yeah, this time majority rules, definitely. Well, Babs? I'm still for the piano. Oh, uh, you, uh, you didn't change your mind? Pop, I tried to get Babs to... Well, never mind. It doesn't matter. Your mother's voting television. Mother! Yes, let's get the television set. And I'm for television, and Junior is for... I'm for a piano. Okay, that makes three votes for two... <laughs> Yeah. Who is that boy? Junior, you're voting for a piano. You were supposed to change Babs' mind. Well, I changed his instead. Uh -oh. Well, what do we do now? It's still two to two. Yeah, it's still a deadlock. <laughs> well, dear, it looks like your voting scheme isn't working out too well. It's hopeless. From now on, no more voting. Not until we have another kid. <laughs> Thank you.
we'll hear the second act of The Life of Riley in a moment. And now back to The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. Well, Riley is taking his pre-Christmas troubles to his friend and neighbor, Jim Gillis. He's telling him about his unsuccessful effort to get the family to vote for a television set as the Riley Cooperative Christmas gift. And then, Gillis, I figured it was all set, so we had another vote. And you know what happened? How should I know, Riley? I ain't the kind of a guy goes around eavesdropping on his next-door neighbor. Well, anyway, it was a deadlock. It's no use taking another vote. No, you was right, Riley. The only way to settle this is have another kid. <laughs> Gillis, you heard. Well, accidentally, I stumbled and happened to land with my ear against your keyhole. Now, what'll I do, Gillis? Be a man. Put your feet down. Tell them television or nothing. After all, you're the boss in the house. They all know that, don't they? No, only me. <laughs> That's the trouble with you, Riley. You're a schmo. I am? Yeah, wise up, Riley. Lay down the law. No, no, I, I can't do that. It's got to be done democratic by a vote. Yeah, voting. A waste of time. Now, don't talk like that, Gillis. Remember, our forefathers fought and bled to get the vote. It's up to us to cherish it and protect it. I wonder how much dough Junior would take for his vote. <laughs> Look, Riley, you want to settle this with a vote? Yeah. Then do it right. Campaign. Convince them a television set's the only thing to get. But I tried that. All kinds of arguments. No gold. Well, of course not. They won't believe you. They know you're pretty Jews. But <laughs> coming from a stranger like me... Hey, that's an idea. Would you help me? Hey, pleasure. Now, here's the angle I got in my head. Uh -huh. We'll say we was watching the television in Mesa's bar, and I'll give them a big pitch how great it was. Before I'm through, they'll be drooling. Great. And I'll back you up. C come on, give us pal. They're all home now. Yeah, one thing, Riley. Yeah. It'll look phony if I start the pitch right off of the bat. Uh -huh. So let's talk about something else first, and then you, very sly-like, Shift the conversation into television. You yeah, get it? Yeah, yeah. I sure appreciate this, Gillis. And when I get this television set, you can come over every night and watch it with the rest of my friends. Only I won't charge you admission. But, Mother, we do need a new piano. Oh, I know, Babs, but the one we got could last another year, and... If we don't get the television set, we'll never hear the end of it. Mom's right, Babs. You know Pop when he gets steamed up in something. Well, all right, but he's such a baby. Yes, but he's the only baby in the family, so we have to humor him. <laughs> we can get a piano next year. Come on in, Gillis. Let's talk a while. Don't mind if I do, Riley. Oh, there's your father now. Well, hello, Dumplin'. Hiya, Pop. Hiya, Gillis. Oh, Riley, dear... About the Christmas gift. No, no, not, not, not now, Peg. We, we don't want to talk over a family business in front of a perfect stranger like my best friend Gillis. <laughs> he just dropped in to chew the fat a while. Well, uh, <clears throat> uh what's, uh, what's new, Gillis? Well, uh, uh, I was reading about the United Nations today. Uh, tell me, Riley, what do you think of the United Nations? It'll never replace television. <laughs> Speaking of television, I dropped into Mesa's bar tonight, and I seen a great wrestling match on the television set. Is that a fact? Tell us about it. You was there too, Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I was. It was great. It was... Uh, who was wrestling, Mr. Gillis? A uh, uh, body snatcher botkin to Glendale Ghoul. Oh, well, against who? Uh, against who, Riley? 
poison tooth perfect, the bearded beast of Beverly Hills. <laughs> a great match. Yeah. While I was watching, I kept saying to myself, I wish I was lucky enough to have a set like that in my own home. Well, fancy that. Yeah, for my family's sake, of course. Well, of course. Could you see it clearly, Mr. Gillis? Better than I can see you, Babs. And I can see you great. Just like it was happening in your own home. Just like in my own home. What a match. First they cycle around the ring. Then the ghoul kicks the beast in the teeth nine times. Then the beast jumped up and down on the ghoul's face. They were just feeling each other out. <laughs> and the fight began. Oh, it was beautiful to watch. Now the beast grabs the ghoul in a nose lock and starts chewing his ears. Chewing his ears. One at a time. Oh, good heavens. Well, then what happened? There was the beast chewing the ghoul's ear. But the ghoul breaks away. <laughs> and the beast is left standing there like a fool with an ear in his mouth. Daddy, he actually bit off his ear. Please, Dad, don't interrupt. Remember, you learn by listening. Uh, go on, Gillis. Yeah, at this point, the ghoul is beginning to be petite. So he grabs the beast by his beard and starts pulling the hairs out one at a time. He lost 56 hairs. Don't tell me you counted them. Television, you can see everything. Like in your own home. Now the two wrestlers get vicious. The beast grabs the ghoul's arm and starts bending it back. 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 Crunch! Oh. Then the beast starts swinging the ghoul around like a pinwheel. Faster, faster, faster. And then, yeah, what happened? The popcorn man got in front of the camera. I couldn't see it. <laughs> but only for a second. Yeah. Then everybody went for Jake. The crowd was screaming bloody murder. The place went wild. It was a madhouse. Just like in your own home. <laughs> By this time, the ring was red with blood. Yeah. And, and soon they're going to have television in real color. It, there was so much blood, it looked like a butcher shop. Except in one corner where there was so much hair, it looked like a barber shop. There's nothing like television. Nothing like it. Well, so long. I don't want to keep you folks from your supper. Howdy appetite. So long, Gillis. Drop <laughs> uh, in again sometime. We'll have another chat about the United Nations. Ah, <laughs> uh, very intelligent fella. Well, Peg, I guess maybe now you realize what a wonderful Riley. thing a television... Riley. Well... Would you get me the spirit of ammonia from the medicine chest? Well, well, sure, but first, how about taking a vote now on the television set? I don't want to hear that word mentioned again. Well, Peg, what's the matter with you? You heard what Gillis said. I heard what he said. And if that's the sort of thing you see on television, I don't want it in the house. I'm against it. So am I. It's sickening. Yeah, that goes for me, too, Pop. But that was just a wrestling match. There's things for all different tastes. Prize fights. Boom fight. <laughs> but it's three against one, Daddy, so we get a piano. It's settled. It's nothing of the kind. But we took a vote. It, uh, it, it wasn't legal. Don't forget, you and Babs are under 21, so you're too young to vote. That, that leaves me against your mother. And as my wife, she's got to do what I want. And I want a television set, and I'm going to get it right now. That's not fair, Riley. Gee, Pop, you call that democracy. Don't you talk to me about democracy. This is my house, and in my house, it's Rileyocracy. <laughs> I'm buying what I want. I'll show him. Trying to push me around. 
Well, I've yet to meet anybody who can push me around and make me take it laying down. How do you do? <laughs> Who's that? It is I, Digby O'Dell, the friendly undertaker. <laughs> oh, it's you, Digger. Greetings, Riley. You're looking fine. Very natural. <laughs> Jolly Noel. Uh, same to you, Digger. I, Digger, I passed your place this morning and I saw you and your assistants carrying in a big Yule log. Yule log? Yes. You should have looked twice. It was a new mahogany phone booth for my office. Oh, well, well, I, I got to get going, Digger. I, I'm going to buy a television set. Ah, yes, television. Seeing others who can't see us. A veritable electric peeping Tom. Yeah, great thing, television. Indubitably. Someday on television, I'll be able to see some of my favorite radio characters. Sam Spade, Red Skeleton, Henry Morg. Well, this gives us for the whole family. We're all chipping in, you know, cooperative. Oh, excellent. I'm all for cooperation. In fact, I belong to the UEPGTGTOFPC. The UEPGTGTFOFPC? Yes, the undertakers, embalmers, and pallbearers get together and give the other low a push club. <laughs> Whenever one of our colleagues gets in too deep, we all jump in and help him out. Yeah, cooperative gift is a good idea, all right. The, the only trouble is my wife and kids won't cooperate. They they want a piano. Well, then why are you getting a television set? Because I want one. Oh, Riley, I'm devastated. I always sized you up as being considerate. This is the first time I ever took the measure of a man and came out dead wrong. I, I don't care. I'm getting a television set. My head's made up. Very well. Have it your way. I see that I can't budge you. And when I can't budge a man, I leave him flat. <laughs> well, cheerio. I'd better be shoveling off. Please, Babs, let's not talk about it anymore. But it isn't fair, Mother. After all, some of the money's ours. Forget it, Babs. This is one time Pop's going to have his own way. Hey. Oh, now, please, children, no arguments. Well, I got it. All right, dear. Well, I got what I wanted for Christmas. All right, dear. What kind did you get, Pop? Now, first, I want to get one thing straight. We're going to vote on who is the head of this house. Babs? Oh, you are, Daddy. Mm hmm Junior? You, Pop. Peg? You, dear, of course. And I vote for me, too. <laughs> for once, it's unanimous. So what I say goes. And this gift that I bought is my decision. Is that clear? Yes, dear. Okay. Here, Dumplin. Hmm? Well, what's this, Riley? Uh, this gift certificate for $133. Buy whatever you want. Merry Christmas. What a revolting development this is. Riley, 
I still say you was a sucker. Giving the family a gift certificate. Yeah, I know, but I, I couldn't help it, Gillis. You know what they'll buy with it, a piano. I know, but I want them to be happy. We Oh, we're home. You want to come in for a minute? Okay. I still think you made a mistake. What you should have done... They delivered it already. They got the piano. I'm ashamed of you. You're a disgrace to the male race. Oh, <laughs> cut it out, Gillis. I've done what I've done, and I'm glad I've done it. I wouldn't take this from him. Get in there and kill him off. In front of me. <laughs> no. I'm going to make out like I'm glad they got the piano. After all, it's Christmas. Oh, so, uh, so you got it. Yes, dear. Do you like it? Like it? I love it. To tell you the truth, I'd much rather have that piano than a silly television set. Only, that's the funniest piano I ever saw. All them knobs and that glass screen and the... Birds. Birds. Hey, that's a television. The, the piano music came from the... You got me a television set. <laughs> Oh, I don't deserve it. Procter and Gamble invite you to join us again next week to hear The Life of Riley with William Bendix as Riley. The script is by Reuben Schiff, Alan Lipscott, and Henry Posner. Mrs. Riley is Paula Winslow. Digger O'Dell is John Brown. The Life of Riley is produced and directed by Irving Brecker. Okay, everybody, it's that time again. It's time to um, wrap everything up and uh, throw away the Christmas paper and all that stuff. Um, Hope y'all had a good time. This is the last arts show for season two. It's hard to believe I've been doing this this long. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard to believe I've been following Victor around for two years. But anyhow, well, actually, I've been following him around a lot longer than that. But (laughs) 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 we'll leave it alone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So um, I hope y'all have enjoyed it. And I hope you'll come back in January for season three. And we might be doing my show a little bit differently then, but we'll have to see how it works out. Bye-bye, and Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Just to let everybody know, watch out for an episode of the State of the Union to outline the new season in January and to talk about some changes. Happy New Year, everybody, and Merry Christmas.